everybody, and welcome to Christmas Clatter. It is, as of recording, it is the 30th of November. Tomorrow will be December the 1st. So if you're listening to this just podcast only, it releases on the 1st. So happy December. We made it all the way through the year, and it is upon us. If you're listening to just the podcast, head over to YouTube. You can catch the live stream version of this and we also are bringing back a fan favorite from last year there will be a short video on youtube because we are starting our advent calendar yep last year i did a christmas story advent calendar where i unboxed each piece each and every day on you on youtube just recorded a, a short video nothing real grand real spectacular but you know just kind of two three minutes you know popped open a, a new door and revealed the little mini figure of something to do with the Christmas story. So this year we have something a little different than that. It's not quite Christmas related, but it is Christmas related. So it's toys, you know, so I guess that is Christmas related. This at the uh, request of my 10 uh, year old daughter, we have, the five surprise mini brands toys. And uh, there's some nostalgic toys that'll be in this box. There'll be some new, like modern toys that'll be in this box. I have no idea. So we will work through this uh, advent calendar together. It'll be on YouTube uh, for those listening to the podcast. So keep an eye out for that. I will try to have those videos out about the same time every day. Um, that's I think like nine in the morning, nine central standard time was about when I had them out last year. I'll try to do the same. So uh, be on the lookout for that. We'll work through the advent calendar together as we check off these last um, few days of the Christmas season and really of the year, just a month to go. So trying to think of some other announcements. Um, you know, I, I, like I said, I always do this. Uh, just think, but I think we're, I think we're good. If we don't, we have some episodes coming up. We have cookie day coming up in a couple of weeks. Well, a week from Friday. So December 9th will be cookie day. We'll be uh, doing some live streams from there at uh, my parents' house and, uh, and talking about that. But let's move on with our episode. We have a wonderful guest, uh, Alonzo Girali. He's been on here, uh, I don't know, three, four times maybe. And uh, always enjoy talking with him. Uh, and if, if Christmas Clatter ever had a Hall of Fame, he would be first ballot Christmas Clatter Hall of Famer for sure. And uh, you can find him eating some chocolate-covered pine nuts and enjoying a good movie. And if he's not enjoying the movie, then you can find him looking at the lamps. Hey, Alonzo, how are you? I'm good, sir. How are you doing? I'm fine. Like that, uh, looking I, at the lamps reference. I, I, I've, I've never forgotten of that. <laughs> very funny. I, uh, I I stole that from John Waters, but yeah. I stand by it. It's a, it's a good thing to do in a boring movie. I need to know if the Snoopy mug, like, does it? Does the liquid go all the way into yes. the snout? Or, yes, oh, it goes man. all the way into the snout. And then the back is angled downwards and back. Okay, so, so yeah, then, I can see the ergonite. It's a little, yeah. That's a little tricky. And then yeah. when the, the, the liquid gets down so far, it a uh, cup over this part of the mug and splash you <laughs> right in the nose, you know, maybe, maybe that one should just have pens in it. You yeah, know, I yeah. think sometimes mugs are just good for that. I've, I've used it a few times before. And every time I do, I'm like, I shouldn't use that one when, when people are going to watch me drink and <laughs> yes, off camera. I yeah. Think you're right. And, and then it's like, but it's a good looking mug. It is. <laughs> you know, it is. So, it is a handsome. You know, I mug. figure if I take, take a drink, people will get a crack out of uh, seeing Snoopy, you know, and, and enjoy it. But yeah, it's just not that great of a drinking mug. So, well, you could turn to a whole thing next yeah. year. Get the Bon Maman Advent Calendar, and you know, every day you have a nice piece of toast with a different, you know, jam or jelly or honey on it, and then you take a swig and you know, see where it all goes. Yep, that, that sounds good. Uh, that sounds like a great idea. I think Charlie Brown has a better. Head shape for a mug, so maybe I there you go, go. for sure go that, that 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 direction. So, but so before we get into the movies, you know, what have you been up to this holiday season? I know you're a big Christmas nut. You wrote a book called uh, 
have yourself a movie little Christmas and have the Facebook page. If you don't, if guys, if you're out there, go to Facebook, like have yourself a movie little Christmas and you, you'll enjoy it. So you thank are, you. You're a resident movie expert. Yeah. And then, you know, last year I co-wrote uh, I'll Be Home for Christmas Movies yes. with the guys from Deck the Hallmark, which has reviews of more than 100 Hallmark movies. So, yeah, this is the time of year where, like, all of this is happening. You know, it's like the, the year drags on and then suddenly we get to what? Tomorrow is December. How did that happen? You yeah. Know? Uh, but yeah, so I've been chatting with folks like you and, and, uh, you know, trying to keep up with the onslaught of new movies. Um, I think according to the, uh, sleepy kitty pause tumbler, where it's something like 255 new Christmas movies oh, wow. just on like TV and streaming this year. Yes. It's bananas. Have you watched the one on QVC yet? Not yet, but it's on the list. <laughs> I'm going to be watching these well into like March, I think at least, if not, you know, July. I didn't realize they had one until just like a week or so ago. And the trailer looked pretty good. I, I'm hearing okay things about it. The yeah. fact that it's 66 minutes is a real selling oh, point for me at this that, point, frankly. So that, that is fantastic. <laughs> you know, I've been not to get way off subject here right at the beginning, but I've been telling people for a year and a half now. What's missing in Hollywood is the solid 90 minute movie. Oh know? yeah. <laughs> you know? as, look, especially at this time of year. Cause like I, I, as a, as my other hat, as an actual film critic, mm-hmm. all the like important awards movies feel like they have to be at least two and a half hours or they yeah. aren't really, you know, uh, uh, deserving of nominations. So yeah, there's a lot of length at this time of year. Yeah, there is. And there's, it's, it's hard when there's a movie that's two, two and a half hours long and you feel every second of it. You know, <laughs> yeah, like, tell me it, about it. it. It's one thing if you walk into it and you're like, wow, that movie was that long. That didn't seem like it. But, you know, like we just saw uh, Wakanda forever and enjoyed it. And mm-hmm. it it's fa- fairly lengthy runtime, but uh, it's being big MCU fans. It, it didn't feel like it. But if you're not in the MCU, I could see where it probably did. You know, so for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, we are here and I want to clarify the rules I put use loosely that we that I and not we, but I just kind of put on you. I, I wanted to talk about black and white Christmas movies because it seems like anything from a Christmas story forward in the timeline really gets, you know, a lot of love. And I really think it's Christmas vacation forward because Christmas story really didn't take off until to me, till the true, 90s. true. So it, it doesn't feel like it's as old as Christmas vacation, even though it, it is. And you know, other than it's a wonderful life. It's like, uh, those black and white movies kind of get forgotten. Yeah. Well, there's a weird thing about black and white movies. Like I grew up watching them and loving them because, you know, I, my mom was a big movie fan and we would have, you know, we would watch movies on TV and, and, you know, so I grew up, you know, yeah, watching a lot of color movies too, obviously, but you know, like old Alfred Hitchcock and old, you know, Fred Astaire musicals and stuff like all these great movies that are in black and white. And so it never occurred to me that they were less than in any way, but I'm constantly encountering people who it's like, you're asking them to watch, I don't even know, like, you know, a, a four hour, you know, Slovenian opera with no subtitles or something. They just, oh, what black and white, uh, yeah. you know, and, and I don't get it because I think black and white movies can be gorgeous in their own way. And, and, you know, they, they're still movies, you know, if, yeah. if they're good, they're good. And if they're bad, they're bad. But like the fact that they aren't in color shouldn't be a deal breaker. Right. Right. And uh, so what I told, uh, uh, what I told Alonzo is let's do black and white and let's, we're going to leave off. It's a wonderful yeah. life. Both That's of us the one love that to pieces and it would be on this list, but it's like, I had a feeling that like everybody knows about that one. Yeah, that's the one black and white movie to this day that like NBC will devote three hours of prime time to, you know, right. and so it doesn't need the boost. Like we we, the, we we could take it as red as that everybody in America watches for the most part. It's a wonderful life and they don't mind that it's in black and white, but that's like that's the one that got through. Yeah, that, that's the one that, uh, you know, a lot of people know. And I see Sean here in the comments. He, he mentioned uh, Miracle on 34th Street. We will get to we will get to that one. Don't cool we? your jets, Sean. We haven't gotten to the list yet. Relax. <laughs> We're because, here all night because there's an interesting s- side story on that for me that I, I didn't even let Alonzo know. But when we get there, we'll get there and and, uh, and let everybody know. But uh, <clears throat> but and also kind of wanted to bring out some movies that 
you know, that are good that people would enjoy that maybe will become a part of, you know, the Christmas canon and, uh, sure. you know, that say, you know, that something that really resonates. So, um, so let's, uh, let's go with our first movie now for, um, you know, it's a wonderful life. There's a name in this that, uh, that everybody knows, uh, very well, uh, and shop around the corner, which is a 1940 movie, but, uh, there's a guy named James Stewart in here, uh, that, uh, people might recognize and, uh, Margaret Sullivan. And this is a, um, I have not seen this movie. There's, there's several in here I have not seen, but after reading the description, it's like, it's, it's my goal was to watch all these movies before I talk to you. <laughs> However, life happens. Uh, I, uh, yes, I got it. <laughs> get in the way, you know. So, um, but after reading the descriptions and some of the critics' reviews and things of like this, this will definitely. This one is definitely on my short list to check out for sure. So yeah, this was probably I, I would imagine for a modern audience is probably best known as the source material for You've Got Mail, mm-hmm. uh, which is a direct remake of this movie. In fact, it's the name of. Uh, the the name of Meg Ryan's bookstore in that movie is The Shop Around the Corner. Uh, but this is a, a 1940 film from Ernst Lubitsch, who is still to this day considered like one of the great sort of cinema stylists and craftsmen. Um, Billy Wilder, who got his career started, you know, writing screenplays for Lubitsch for the rest of his career in his office had a giant banner that said, how would Lubitsch do it? You know? So Mm -hmm. like he's, he's very influential. His films, um, you know, are, are still revered. And this movie in particular, I think not just being the sort of direct, uh, uh, source for you've got mail and for the Judy Garland movie in the good old summertime and the stage musical, she loves me. Um, but I think in a lot of ways, it's kind of the, raw material blueprint for just the American rom-com in yeah. general. You know, the, the, I think there's so much here in terms of the misunderstandings and the, they hate each other, but they love each other. And like a, a lot of the elements here really, you know, are still carried on in, you know, modern rom-coms, you know, I think a lot of Hallmark movies, you know, to varying degrees owe their existence to shop around the corner. But yeah, it's just, it's a very charming movie. And, it's funny because obviously it's an 80 year old film. So it is a, it's a nostalgic thing for us, but it was nostalgic when they made it even because, you know, we're the war is already raging in Europe in 1940. And this is set in this sort of like kind of storybook, charming Budapest, you know, which I'm sure when the movie was first playing was probably being shelled on a regular basis. But, you know, here it's just this very sort of continental European city. And, uh, and yeah, it's a story about these two coworkers in a store. And so, you know, and a store at Christmas time is inherently a great setting for anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they do not get along. They, they, they are rivals at work and they're always kind of trying to undercut each other and they don't get along at all, but they do not know that they are also pen pals. And right. in their letters, they are constantly pouring forth, you know, the, this deep affection for one another. And then obviously one of them figures out what's going on and, you know, do they tell the other one? Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a lovely movie. Oh yeah. Well, like I said, when reading through the descriptions and some of the critics reviews and stuff, it's like, there were so many different, you, know, you listed a few of the movies that kind of brought to my mind. And I'm like, I'm surprised that, you know, Hallmark hasn't, and I'm sure they have, I'm sure they have. Uh, there's a couple, there are a couple of movies know. I could point you to. They're yeah. like, okay, it's this, it is like, yeah. there's one called bottled with love with Andrew yeah. Walker, where it's literally the same plot. Like they're emailing each other, but they don't know. And then he figures it out and you know. Yeah. So this is kind of like that, the, 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 the Genesis of all, all, all those things. It's kind of like the, uh, it's the Dead Sea Scrolls of wrong there, there you go. That's a good analogy. It's 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 the thing that uh, you know you can you can trace you know the twenty three <laughs> me all the way back to exactly <laughs> to, to Jimmy Stewart in in nineteen. And this was you know what's cool about this and what I'm interested in is is seeing uh, pre uh, World War Jimmy Stewart on the screen. Mm. Uh, you know, and and seeing how how that you know translate because just looking at the, the 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 one sheet here you know he looks so young even compared to it's a wonderful life 
Yeah, I mean, you know, he is definitely the sort of male ingenue here. And, you know, it, it it's a it, there's some edge to the performance, but there's a marked difference between, as you say, pre-World War II Jimmy Stewart and post-World War II Jimmy Stewart. Like, you look at a movie like The Philadelphia Story or, you know, just a lot of the films where he was kind of this, you know, big, tall, gangly, aw shucks, charming guy, and then – you know, you see a lot of the later films like, you know, your Anatomy of a Murders or your Winchester 76s. And, um, you know, that's there's a there's an intensity there that wasn't there before. And, and, and you know, It's a Wonderful Life is that kind of pivot point, I think, where part of the part of the performances as George Bailey is sort of, you know, old Jimmy Stewart and part of it is new Jimmy Stewart. And, you know, it's sort of uh, commonly known now that he came back from World War II with PTSD from combat and really, you know, Capra's capturing so much of that. You know, there there's that one close-up I always think about at the very end when, like, I, I think he's either – just found out that like that Harry died or whatever, but you know it. Well, you know the yeah. one I'm talking about. There's yeah. just close of him and his head turns, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's so chilling and intense. And this yeah. is not that guy. This yeah. is the old, like just sweetheart Jimmy Stewart. Yeah. Was that rear window where you had the close up? No, no, no. It's in. It's it's <laughs> in. It's a wonderful life. Uh, it's, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I'm, I, I had rear window in my head, and because I was thinking of when you were talking about that, kind of separately, I was thinking about. Like my favorite Jimmy Stewart movie in the movies, there was this, this I, the, and it wasn't It's Wonderful Life because it was a colored, colored movie, and uh, and it was like the close up of his eyes and him just kind of like, he doesn't say a word, but his eyes are just kind of got this crazed figuring it out, doesn't know what's uh, going on at the same time thing. And, might be might be Vertigo, which yeah. I think is yeah, I think really takes him to some dark yeah, places. Both, yeah. both are Hitchcock, so it's probably why I kind of get. <laughs> You know, sure, and yeah. mixed and, and stuff. So, but yeah, this one I'm real excited to see and, uh, and can't wait for. So, uh, guys, if, um, you know, if the, you know, if you love Jimmy Stewart and who doesn't, it seemed like he, he was one of those guys that everybody loves. <laughs> You're kind of like Dolly Parton, you know. So. I, exactly. I, I think also this is kind of the birthplace of the workplace comedy. Like, right. you know, it's something like the Mary Tyler Moore show or The Office where like because it's not just their romance. Like there's all right. these supporting characters who have their own little side bits of business going on and kind of come in and out of the story. The boss is played by Frank Morgan, who people recognize as the Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Um, so, you know, yeah, it's it, it's a it's a really just it's a it's it's a real delight and it's it's one of those movies where i always quote the old ebert line of like i envy you getting to see it for the first time right, right. so uh one last thing on this uh we had a question roll in here uh as a critic do you feel that uh, jimmy stewart's overrated or underrated as an actor i'd say he's rated <laughs> i Pro- think i properly think rated. I, yeah <laughs> i i think he deserves yeah. the the praise that he gets uh, and you know you look at that career and it's like this is a guy who could do romantic comedy he could do action he yeah. could do these brooding you know sort of psychologically intense i mean like he worked with hitchcock like four or five times so it's you know he's not just the one thing that you yeah. might sort of want to pigeonhole him as yeah, yeah. It, it it's funny that you know you mentioned that you uh you got mail which Tom Hanks because I've I've told people for a long time that Tom Hanks is Jimmy Stewart because he can be in the silliest comedy or the or an action movie or yeah. a, a high drama you know like Philadelphia or something and you believe it each and every time you know yeah no I I, I think it's an it's an apt comparison and he's somebody who again like in a different way but you look at early Tom Hanks and it was like, Oh, he's so funny. He's so goofy and charming. And then, you know, he unpacks up Philadelphia or saving mm-hmm. private Ryan or something. It's like, Oh, okay. You can do that too. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, all right guys, let's move on to our, our next movie we have here. And, uh, again, these aren't like a list of this one's better than this one. This is just a list of movies you need to see, you know, um, you know, as far as the rankings, we'll leave that to some other people. This is just a list of <laughs> movies you need to see, you know, and uh, we have uh, Christmas in Connecticut and uh, it's a 1945. And this is one I've seen, but it's been, I might as well say I haven't because it's been <laughs> so long, you know, <laughs> so. By the way, I forgot to mention Shop Around the Corner is streaming on HBO Max and so is Christmas in Connecticut. Yes. So these are very handy to watch. And for those in the in the show note, um for those in the show for those listening in the show notes in the video description, if you're watching live, it's it's not there now because I kind of wanted to keep the list 
uh, low key. Uh, in the show notes and description, a list of these movies along with where they're streaming at uh, will be there too. So you can uh, reference that if need be. So, but uh, Christmas in Connecticut, uh, you know, directed by Peter Godfrey in 1945. Why, why is this one that made your list of must see black and white movies? Uh, yeah, this is just, uh, again, a really delightful romantic comedy and and one that I think is really influential. And you you sort of see the bits of it popping up like there was last week, I think, uh, as part of their big like barrage of Thanksgiving week movies. Uh, Hallmark had a film called Hashtag Xmas about a woman who kind of fakes having uh, a husband and a baby and this perfect life to become like a social media influencer. And that's the plot of this movie basically, but this is the 1945 version where Barbara Stanwyck is sort of the Martha Stewart of her day where she writes about her beautiful home in Connecticut and her husband and her baby and the, her cooking tips and her housekeeping tips. And, you know, she lives in a one bedroom apartment in Manhattan and all of her food comes from the restaurant downstairs. She's a complete phony, uh, you know, but, but the, what happens is there's a soldier and again, I think this this movie, I, I'll tell you, I don't know what World War II did to America, but this is a 1945 comedy in which the initiating action is that a U-boat sinks a troop ship and there are only two survivors. And it's a comedy. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so one of those two survivors is a guy named Jefferson Jones, played by Dennis Morgan. And um, while he is in the hospital recuperating after having been on like a life raft for 90 days and not eating solid food, while he is given nothing but like milk and bread or whatever he reads her articles and about these amazing meals and these lavish feasts that she throws and he's like oh he writes her a fan let anyone wants to meet her so the publisher played by sydney greenstein is like ah i've got it this is gonna be great for publicity this guy's gonna come and spend christmas with you in your beautiful home in connecticut with your husband and your baby and of course now she has to come up with the home the husband and the baby and like not get caught for the fact that she isn't cooking anything because she doesn't know how uh so you know wackiness ensues yep. uh but she falls in love with the soldier and it's christmasy and it's gorgeous and it's a lot of fun oh yeah yeah this is like one of those movies that's kind of kind of like uh shop around the corner it's kind of like the, the genesis of that i know what i'm doing yeah. but i really don't and i'm faking it till i make it kind of thing and, exactly yeah yeah and I, i've gotten away with it this long but now suddenly all these yeah. people are looking yeah. and i have to you know escalate yeah and it's it's good to know that uh all these years later, some things have never, never changed about people putting on that false front in front of everybody else, you know, because for those that haven't uh, figured it out, the uh, social media is not real. Um, <laughs> you know, those, what people post is, is usually not, not the case. So, you for know, sure. That, that happiness and, you know, and, and things, but yeah, this, this, I remember this movie. It, I don't know. I don't have a good answer why I haven't returned to it from the first time I've seen it. It, it just, I guess it's kind of like uh, never been front of mind for some reason. And I remember enjoying it. And, you know, once it made the list, I'm like, I, I got, I got to watch it again and, and see it. And cause I went through, I went through this phase uh, where I watched a whole lot of classic movies. Uh, when I was in college, um, I had to take a literature credit. So it was either, and there, all the classes were regular literature classes are full. So I could either take Shakespeare or the art of film. Uh. <laughs> so I took the art of film. Like, I'll just watch movies rather than read Shakespeare. And I, um, the first movie we watched was the Maltese Falcon. And I fell in love mm. with, with black and white movies. And the second one we watched was Adam's rib. And it was just, oh. I was just loved both those movies and, and just fell in love with classic movies. And, and so I went through this phase where I just kind of like, everything I get a hold of. Of course, this was, you know, um, prime video store era, you know, through the oh, yeah. mid late nineties. <laughs> and so you just trying to grab everything you can. Then uh, Turner classic movies came, was coming around and throwing everything on VHS tape and that it could. So that, that really helped. But, uh, yeah, I don't know really yeah. know why it's kind of like that restaurant you like, but you never think about driving down that block to, to go eat there. Well, I mean, like, I think part of the reason I became one of those people who listens to Christmas music and watches Christmas movies all year is because if I limit it to, you know, the prescribed moment, I'll never fit them all in. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, if you're if you're only watching Christmas movies for a couple of weeks a year, then, yeah, it's, it's it's hard to keep track of, you know, 
catching up with some new ones maybe but at the same time wanting to revisit you know the old ones speaking of turner classic movies i think pretty much all of the movies we're talking about tonight will pop up on the network sometime in the next four weeks yeah yeah this is a good time for for turner classic movies uh, yeah um, to 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 stream it there but uh, let's move on to our um third movie here um a Christmas Carol, 1951. You know, this is a plot that needs no introduction. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. uh, this is one I have seen a few times, and it's one of the better adaptations of A Christmas Carol still, even though, you know, this is a 1951 movie all these years. It's still one of the better adaptations. And um, kind of doing some, um, I guess, research on this, I, I, I thought I thought to myself, I was like, because I looked at it before, I was like, well, when's the first Christmas movie that came came out? And it was a movie called Santa Claus in 1898 or something, I believe. <laughs> and so then I started looking and, and, and like, well, when was the first 10 Christmas movies? And it was from 1898 <laughs> to like 1910. Did you know that three of the first 10 Christmas movies ever made <laughs> were adaptations of a Christmas Carol. <laughs> I, I'm actually reading a book right now that my husband gave me as an early Christmas present, and it's it is all about uh, TV and movie adaptations of a Christmas Carol. Uh-huh. And so they don't even just start at silent films; they go back to like the the sort of you know um, shadow box, you oh, know, right. kind of those these sort of touring <laughs> puppeteer things, you know, where they would have like the slides and the. So yeah, this is it is the most adapted work of literature in the English language, and yeah, it goes all the way back to the dawn of cinema and all the way up to you know this Friday when the animated version drops on Netflix, like uh, or the latest animated version, I should say. So yeah, it's it is just. Uh, it, it, it it keeps on ticking like that Christmas Carol. Uh, but I picked this one specifically because I think of the black and white ones, it is probably the most beloved by the most people, mainly because of Alistair Sims, amazing performance. And, um, you know, he's somebody who's actually best known as a uh, comic actor. Like, you know, you yeah. see him in these old Ealing comedies, like, you know, the lady killers and, um, you know, uh, he, 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 in drag, he plays the headmistress of a, of a school for criminals. In, in the bells of St. Trinian's. Um, but so, you know, I think that allows a certain looseness to Scrooge because mm-hmm. it, you know, there are comic moments and I think there is a big transformation and you have to sort of be not afraid to go big playing this character. And, and he certainly isn't. And so I think that makes him one of the greats. Um, this version uh, has a, a couple of interesting things going on. First of all, if, uh, if you ever watched the sitcom Maud, um, her second housekeeper, Mrs. Naugatuck, uh, after Florida Evans, played by Esther Roll, uh, was played by Hermione Baddeley, and she plays Mrs. Cratchit in this version. Okay. Um, Patrick McNee from uh, The Avengers, uh, the not not the superhero yeah. one, but the one with, you know, Emma Peel. Uh, he played John Steed on The Avengers, and he plays, I think, young Marley in this. Um, and the editor of this version uh, and I don't have his name in front of me, went on to direct the 1984 made for TV, a Christmas Carol with, uh, George C. Scott as Scrooge. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that I like about this version a lot is that, you know, it, it, when I was, when I was writing the book and watching so many Christmas Carol adaptations, you really get attuned to like, do they include ignorance and in what do they include yeah. the guys in the lighthouse? Do they include the poor couple who's glad that Scrooge is dead? You know, there's all these little bits in the book that do or don't make into the movies. And this one actually, uh, kind of diverts from the text, but in a way that I think really works in that, uh, you know, Scrooge falls in love with Fezziwig's daughter, you know, becomes obsessed with money. She leaves yeah. him. That's always kind of the thing. Um, but in this one, Scrooge and Marley actually put Fezziwig out of business. Like yeah. they ruin him financially. So there's this added thing of like, oh, you're not just like destroying the livelihood of the man who gave you a job and was your first mentor, but also your fiance's father. Wow, you really suck, Ebenezer. Yeah, yeah. yeah they go out of their way. That's one thing I liked about that twist because a lot of times they, they try to make Ebenezer um, – so wretched as far as just being a grouch and grumpy yeah. and 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 stuff and they always say what what a cunning kind of businessman he was but sometimes you just never really see it you know but with this one you kind of see it and that that's more slime ball 
than any kind of grouchy <laughs> remarks you can make, you know. Yeah, totally. I mean, and I think the, the Albert Finney one is good because you see him like shaking down the people that owe him money. And it's like, okay, fine. I'll give you two more days, but now it's going to be this much more interest, you know, like, yeah, you're right. It's, it's one thing to talk about him being this sort of, you know, greedy, grasping, rapacious old soul. But if you can actually watch it in action, it really, you know, yeah. adds a little something. Yeah. Um, me and my wife a couple of years were in a uh, adaptation of a Christmas Carol, a musical version for, oh, nice. for uh, uh, local here. Uh, it was put on by our, our, our church we were going to at the time. And, mm. and we got to play what we called the, the, the moochers, the, the poor people. And that's one way we got Scrooge to be a little bit more sinister is he went to collect money from them. And when they didn't have money to pay, he gave them more time, but then he demanded so much more money. It was right. And uh, it was a quick way to kind of get that, you know, you know more, more, uh, a more Scroogey Scrooge, <laughs> but uh, yeah, guys, I've seen a lot of people that uh, in here that really like this and, and uh, some that haven't seen it in the comments. And then for those that uh, listen to the podcast, if you have not seen a Christmas girl, and I know everybody's seen lots of versions, check out this uh, 1951. Uh, the, I think the, 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 um, what's the word I'm looking for here? The, the transition, the, the, uh, yeah. enlightening that uh, scrooge takes is that scene alone i believe is what's kept this version really <laughs> have legs uh you know still you know good lord what is it 70 uh two years later my 71 yeah, 71 yeah years later you know so it's it's kind of like uh you know it, it's you've, you've seen that scene even if you don't know you've seen it and, uh, <laughs> and uh it's a, it, I think it's a good starter Scrooge. It's a little yeah. scary, maybe for little little kids, but yeah. like I'd say, if you're if you're showing this movie to kids, like there are and there are obviously you know there's Muppets and there's even the MGM one, which is okay. It's short, which is to its favor, you know. And there's Mickey, but I think like I think I seem to recall watching this one on 16 millimeter in like my sixth grade classroom, and so I'm pretty sure this was this version was my intro to a Christmas Carol. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. I forgot. We used to have those uh, real reels when I was still in school in elementary and what we never got to watch this, but watched a few things. But all right, let's uh move And on. it's streaming on sorry, it's streaming on Plex. On Plex, yeah. Plex is cool service. We'll have to talk about that sometime. Now, this is a movie I really, really like. And <laughs> let, let, let's go back to um my my art of film literature credit, <laughs> which still yes. cracks me up that <laughs> One of the movies we watched there uh, was Notorious, um, Alfred mm. Hitchcock with Cary Grant, and and I became a huge Cary Grant fan and watched everything he made, and just was like, you know, he's just was kind of like my guy for a while because he was so good and so cool, and I don't know what it is about Cary Grant. You just say Cary Grant, people kind of pay attention, <laughs> you know, <laughs> even to this day, and uh, and. And um, uh, you joined me last year when we talked to uh, Carolyn Grimes from it's yes. Wonderful Life, Zuzu Bailey, and she was also in this movie. Uh, yes, with, and had great things to say about Cary Grant, which I was happy to hear. And, uh, <laughs> and this is a movie that um, probably most people are familiar with the remake that came out in the, the mid '90s with uh, right. Denzel Washington and uh, Whitney Houston. And uh, but I love this version so much better than that than that one and, uh, <laughs> just because it's Cary Grant. But uh, what, what do you like about this movie? Yeah. Uh, yeah I, you know, I, it, it, this is, it's funny, you know, um, people, especially I think now with, you know, online chatter, film Twitter, you know, ain't it cool news back when that was the thing, people get really obsessed with like, Oh, I hear this production's in trouble and Oh, they had to do reshoots and Oh, the, and this is a movie that was trouble and they actually stopped production entirely and like started over. Uh, so when this movie originally started shooting, Cary Grant was playing the Bishop. David Niven was playing the angel and the wife was played by Teresa Wright. Um, and then it wasn't working for whatever reason. And they just, they shut down. I think they may even switch directors. And then by the time they came back, Cary Grant was now the angel. David Niven was the Bishop, which I think works much better. Yes. And Loretta Young is the, uh, is the wife in question. And, you know, I, I, I do like, I don't, I don't go for the whole angels thing usually because it can be, you know, kind of 
kind of gross. But uh, what I like in this movie is the idea of somebody coming in, like fixing everybody's lives and then nobody remembering he was there yeah. and just assuming that they did it themselves or that they that they acted on their best impulses on their own and not with any sort of outside guidance or whatever. Um, but this is just a really sweet movie. So um, David Niven is the bishop and he is trying to raise money to build this huge cathedral. And, uh, you know, he, it is. It, it, it is it is throwing you know distance between him and his wife. It's throwing distance between him and his congregation, and he prays for heavenly guidance. He gets Cary Grant as Dudley, and you know is shocked to learn that Dudley is not just there to like snap his fingers and get him the money he needs for the cathedral, but actually does all these things that really annoy the bishop. But what they do is sort of remind the bishop what's important and who's important, and you know the the you know sort of provides a, a a beacon for him to to go back to being the best version of himself that he was, which is I think a thing that we always get from Christmas movies. A lot of the, the our favorite ones are these sort of redemption stories, and yeah. you know the bishop isn't doesn't go through as big of one as Scrooge does, but it's definitely right. a thing where he he kind of you know checks himself, you know, and, 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 and moves on. And this is just another one of these old movies with a, an incredible cast of character actors, including of course, Carolyn Grimes, who plays their daughter, but like, you know, Monty Woolley and, you know, Gladys Cooper. If you've ever seen now Voyager, you know, nobody plays a mean old rich lady like Gladys Cooper. Um, yeah, it's just, it's a really delightful film. And, and I, I, I went back and watched that and the, the preacher's wife this year back to back for, for Deck the Hallmark when we were doing 25 weeks of Christmas. And yeah, like preacher's wife has so many of these elements that are great. I mean, you know, come on, who doesn't want to hear Whitney Houston sing right. in a movie? Uh, and, and I've always thought that Denzel Washington had a Cary Grant ness yeah. to him you know yeah. i remember seeing him in one of his very first films mississippi masala which mm -hmm. is one of his few kind of like romantic comedies and he's so charming and so sexy in that movie in a you know not in the the sort of tough guy way that we would come to know later from from his films and i remember at the time thinking this guy's cary grant like this yeah. guy can do that sort of thing where you're just like you're you, yes tell me more you know <laughs> um and so I think he's well cast in that one. But yeah, that movie doesn't have the charm that this one does. And so I think if you only know The Preacher's Wife, you may really be surprised at how lovely this version is. Yeah. I never put that Denzel and Cary Grant together, but that, that's so right. Because it's <laughs> like Denzel has like the sly smile kind of thing that he does that that, he, that Cary Grant does as well. And yeah. It's kind of like, Look, yeah. In, in Preacher's Wife, you put him in that monochromatic trench coat and hat. It's like, Okay. Yeah. Yes, I'm here yeah. for this. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and you just named this episode on the podcast. You know, pray for heavenly heavenly guidance, and you got Cary Grant. So, <laughs> you know, so, but yeah, if you guys haven't seen this one, this one is to me um, of the lit of the list is one of the top three that should kind of get a new breath of Christmas life blown into it that the people should start putting it up there with, uh, you know, it's a wonderful life and, and uh, miracle on 34th street and, and those kind of things. It's just, it's kind of like that uh, forgotten cousin almost, but it really <laughs> needs to be, be up there because the performances are so good and it's just a, just a charming movie. Yeah, no, it definitely, it's a good one to go back to every year. And it's very easy to stream. It is in like pretty much so many yeah. services. Like if you, if you want to watch it for free, it's on like Tubi yeah. with ads and YouTube with ads. Or it's on Canopy. If your library has that, it's yeah. on, uh, you know, a bunch of places. You can get yeah, it. it's, it's, it's everywhere on, on the streaming, especially the free ones. And the, like I was joking around with the Alonzo before we started, it's like the Columbo of, of movies because you know, <laughs> Columbo is just everywhere. Yeah. Know, streaming services and, and, uh, but yeah, this one's an easy one to find. And the great thing about those free streaming services is, is a lot of them are not like over at, they don't play the ads like way too much or anything good like the network TV can, can do, but for sure. Yeah. So that's kind of a nice thing, but it is, uh, you know, some, some places like Amazon and things, I believe you probably stream it without any interruptions if you want, or just yeah. how about go buy it because it's that there you good. go <laughs> it's, it's so that good so all right let's uh, hashtag physical media yes <laughs> alonzo is a big physical media proponent <laughs> you if you don't own uh so, something you can stick in you know, a player and play then you don't own it at all and uh, 
That is absolutely true. Yeah, yeah. I think people learn that the hard way a lot of times. Where they're, oh, I bought it on Amazon. Well, yeah, but the rights expired, and so it now is dis- it's disappeared from your queue or whatever, yeah. you know. But if you if you have the disc, you have the disc forever. Yeah, that's that's right. Or sometimes you can buy them from different places, and you can't get them all in the same library. And so it's like, where did I buy that movie? <laughs> and uh, I have some experience with that, but. Uh, uh- Sounds like it. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, all right. And now we have moved on to our honorable mentions. Um, we won't spend. Wait, did we skip? Time. Did we skip Miracle on 34th Street? Oh, uh, no. We're, we'll save that one for the very, very. Oh, last. okay. Okay. I don't yeah. know if we were punishing the chat room or no, no, what. No, okay. No, no. We're saving gotcha. that one for the very last. Okay. I blew it. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> um, but uh, these we won't spend quite as much time on, but they are some that, that are. Noteworthy enough, we need to at least mention them uh, briefly so you guys yes. can check them out. And again, uh, a full list of these movies and where to stream them will be in the show notes and in the description. So uh, yeah. you can refer lot, to that. So. A lot of these honorable mentions are, are hard to stream for whatever reason. There's always these weird rights things involved. But again, keep keep your eye out on TCM if you get cable because a lot of them will pop up there. And if not, you know, snag yourself a DVD or a Blu-ray and, and you don't have that problem. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, Remember the Night is – this is a film that I had never heard of until I started researching the Christmas book, uh, Have Yourself a Movie Little Christmas. And what had happened was it kind of went it, – like it was it was released on VHS and then it just didn't – you know, it, it, it was not available. And TCM really kind of – started reviving it and showing it every year. And they eventually put out like on their own label, put out a Blu-ray and it's a delightful uh, romantic comedy with again, Barbara Sandwick from, um, from, from Christmas in Connecticut and Fred McMurray. And of course the two of them famously paired in double indemnity in a very, very different kind of movie yeah. uh, where, you know, they're conspiring to murder her rich husband. But this is uh, a, a comedy where um, he's a DA. She's a shoplifter. He's supposed to be putting her in jail, but winds up of course, instead falling in love with her uh, and taking her home to, uh, to, to Indiana for the holidays and sort of seeing how, you know, the kind of person that she could have been had she had, you know, some breaks, go her way um it's directed by mitchell leeson who's one of the great sort of screwball comedy directors he did mm-hmm. one of my absolute favorites 1939's midnight and um it's just uh it's 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 a lovely lovely movie uh beulah bondi who plays um harry bay or uh, george bailey's mom and it's a wonderful life uh plays fred murray's mom um yeah and this is one that i think a lot of people don't know about but uh when i a lot of folks that i've shown it to have always been like oh this is where where's this movie been all my life <laughs> yeah yeah this is one i i have not seen and, and know very little about but i will be catching up with it uh shortly here because it's just well all these movies if i'm, I'm gonna go back and watch them i don't know i keep saying that <laughs> this, this is one i'm I'm, in, I'm interested in and uh you know for some reason you know this is a 1940 release for some reason these these pre-world war ii movies just kind of you know, pique my interest a little quicker sometimes than others, but yeah, I'll definitely check this out because it's kind of of the honorable mentions to me, this might be the most sleeper choice because it, it seems like it's, it's going to be really, really great. So, and, and written by the great Preston Sturges. It was the, this was the last movie that he wrote, but didn't direct. Ah, uh, yeah, man. Writing goes so much further than anything else in the, in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, our, our next honorable mention is uh, Holiday Affair, uh, 1949. Yes. This is one that uh, a lot of people are familiar with or, you know, big Christmas and Chris- and movie fans are, are familiar with it. They might not have seen it, but they know the name and, and, sure. and, and, and things. So. Yeah, this is another TCM fave. And in fact, Warner put out a nice Blu-ray a couple of years ago. Um, this is uh, Robert Mitchum, who basically made this movie because he'd gotten arrested on a marijuana possession charge. Oh. And Howard Hughes, who was running RKO, was like, all right, we're putting you in something nice. We're going to like, <laughs> we need to rehab your image a little yeah. bit because he'd mainly been known for these sort of tough guy roles. Right. So here he plays this guy who uh, works in a department store and winds up falling for Janet Lee, who plays a war widow with a young 
son. Um, and uh, it's just this very lovely relationship and the way that he, the way he interacts with Janet Lee, the way he interacts with the kid, um, you know, played by uh, Gordon Gebert. Um, yeah. It, 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 and it's uh, again, I, I think a Christmas movie set in department stores. That is yeah. a smart move. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, it, it, it's a, it's a side of Mitchum. You didn't really get to see a lot in movies. And Janet Lee is like crazily young in this. Like th- yeah. this is, we're talking like a, a full decade before psycho uh so yeah it's it's really terrific yeah this would yeah 11 years before psycho something like that something like that yeah yeah this is one i it's kind of like christmas in connecticut i've seen it i've seen it this one uh, two or three times and and, and enjoy it um it's but it's kind of kind of one of those i need to go back revisit it you know especially now because well in life in general, one thing I've learned, something you watched 20 plus years ago, you watch it again. It's, it, you, it, you have a totally different perspective on it, you know? So. Sure. Yeah. The movie hasn't changed, but you have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, Oh, this is, this is really interesting. You know, now I, I kind of understand what they're saying, you know, but, <laughs> but yeah, let's go on to our, our next honorable mention here. I'll see you there. Um, I'll be seeing is, you. Yeah. I'll be seeing you. I'm sorry. Was, and, uh, the 1944 this is one i'm to be honest with you i was completely unaware of and this was yeah this was another one i did not know about until i started uh doing some deeper research into christmas movies and kino lorber put out a nice blu-ray a couple years ago uh so this is a drama and it's uh, you know, the, the, it's a pretty intense sort of, uh, uh, scenario. So Ginger Rogers plays a woman who is in prison for having, um, committed manslaughter because her boss was like basically trying to assault her and she pushes him out a window. And so for that, she has to go to jail. Um, anyway, so she's on like a, a furlough basically for the holidays and she's visiting with her aunt and uncle. Uh, and on the train, she meets Joseph Cotton, who is a serviceman, uh, and he is has come back from the front with PTSD and has been in a, a, a psychiatric institution and is basically sort of using this trip as a figure as to figure out like, can I? Exist in the world? Can I interact with people, or do I need to just like commit myself, you know, forever? Mm-hmm. And so, but they don't know that about each other. So they, they begin this, you know, lovely little tentative relationship, not knowing the heavy baggage that each of them is carrying. Um, and it's really moving and sweet. And like the way that Rogers's family sort of, you know, is there for her, you know, she has a cousin played by Shirley Temple, who's like, by this was like 18 or 19. So it's mm-hmm. a, a, an older role. And at first she's very suspicious of this, like, you know, woman from jail, but once Ginger Rogers kind of tells her her story, she like breaks down weeping and apologizes that she hadn't been nicer. And so like, it's, you know, it's this movie about people who have been dealt a really hard hand and then kind of finding each other at Christmas and sensing the possibility that their lives could get better. Um, it's, it's really gorgeous. And, uh, I think, yeah, a movie that people, a lot of people don't know about, but is very moving. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is reading the you know descriptions and critics and uh, you know write ups about it. It's it's definitely one that may be a little different as far as the subject matter than some of the others, but it, it sounds powerful. And when I saw Shirley Temple was in it, I was like, I, my mama was like trying to roll through all her <laughs> movies, and I was thinking of little tap dancing and singing. Right, that's like. No, no. <laughs> this is not she good ship much, lollipop, Shirley Temple. Yeah, a little older than that, you know. And so it's kind of like this is more. She wore a yellow ribbon, Shirley yeah, Temple. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so that kind of threw me, you know, for for a loop there, trying to trying to put time where it goes in the, in age <laughs> because you know people get locked in at a certain age. And, sure. In in your mind, so but yeah, this is this is one I'm I'm I can't wait to see this one. I kind of, I, like I said, I'm going to be watching them. A few have like are on the list for like before Christmas or like right away. And this is one that is on, on that part, that side of the list. And then uh, let's uh, move on to it happened on fifth Avenue. And I had asked you when we were preparing this episode, which of the honorable mentions you wanted to talk a little bit more about. And this was the, 
the one you, you chose here. Um, t- tell us why you, you want to really speak on on this one. Well, first of all, it's, it's it's I think the most streamable of this of this batch. It's, it is uh, on HBO Max and definitely gets a lot of TCM action. And again, this this was a movie that I I found because of TCM. I had never seen it, uh, but it also has this really interesting history in that. Um, the story, the script was one that Frank Capra had considered making uh, as his first movie back after World War II, but then instead decided to do uh, It's a Wonderful Life. And so this was put out by a studio called Allied Artists. And that was sort of the there was a there was a studio called Monogram Pictures, which was considered like uh, what they used to call Poverty Row in Hollywood. Like they made very low budget movies, a lot of westerns, a lot of you know like gangster movies and stuff. But then they had certain films with a somewhat higher budget that they wanted people to take more seriously. So rather than put the name Monogram on it, they put Allied Artists, and so that was their sort of like their art house, you know, uh, offshoot. And um, this is a film about. Uh, uh, in a nutshell, there, there's a there's a rich guy who you know has a big mansion on Fifth Avenue. Every year he goes away for the winter, and this unhoused person uh, and his dog move in, and you know that's how they they ride out the winter. And there's a GI uh, who's just come back from World War II. His apartment building has been torn down by the rich guy who's putting up some skyscraper monstrosity, and so the poor guy says, "Oh well, here, come stay with me at this mansion." The rich guy's daughter comes in at one point to get to get some clothes and they catch her and they think that she's a thief and she immediately falls for the GI. So she pretends to also be poor so she can stay in the house with them. And it just gets more and more complicated. More people wind up moving in. And uh, ultimately, the rich guy and the rich guy's wife, who are estranged, both have to pretend to be poor so they can come into their own house and they have to, like, do housework and chores and stuff. Um it's very sweet. It's very funny. There, there are a couple of really great sort of like physical comedy se- segments. But I think it also kind of um, – it's an interesting companion piece with It's a Wonderful Life because, again, you have this very sort of post-World War II thing about like figuring out where this country is going to go and what people are going to do with themselves and how we're going to treat each other. And the same sense of collectivism that you see in It's a Wonderful Life where, you know, everybody in in uh, Bedford Falls that George has helped out over the years comes through in a pinch to help him out. The fact that he, you know, thinks that building housing for working class people is a good idea, even if Mr. Potter doesn't. You know, that same thing is happening here because you have all these GIs like the, the 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 veteran winds up inviting like four of his friends and their families to move in because they can't find an apartment in New York City. And at one point they try to like get all these soldiers to pool their money to buy an unused army base to turn it into low cost housing. And of course the rich guy wants to swoop in and buy that from, from under them as well. And so it's about kind of the power of collectivism and the power of the little guy against, you know, the oblivious billionaire. Um, so yeah, it's just, it, it's, it's really, uh, it's, it, it's really charming. And again, I think a movie that uh, maybe people don't know about because it kind of was under the radar for such a long time. It's only in about the last 10 or 15 years that it's become like a staple on cable television and you know, the, the, the people see it more on the regular. Yeah. Yeah. And this is kind of up there in that same level to me as, as uh, a, the Bishop's wife, it's, it kind of needs a little bit more of that uh, Christmas time love to it mm-hmm. because, like you said, there is some, there is some still to this day, some laugh out loud funny moments in this movie. Yeah. And, uh, and to have, you know, comedy pieces, you know, transition, you know, last that amount of time is, is kind of, kind of rare. True. Yeah. It's, 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 it's still notable when it happens because so many times you watch old movies and like just the timing is different Mm -hmm. or like it's references to things you don't know what they're talking about or, but like there are some, there's just some, some physical bits here. Like there's a thing involving going to a restaurant where the tables are wobbly. That is, I roar laughing every time I see it. It it is because everybody's been there with the wobbly table, you know, (laughs) that's what makes it, what makes it so, um, so funny and it and it builds <laughs> yeah yeah so if you haven't checked if you haven't seen it it happened on fifth avenue go check it out and and uh i guarantee you guys will enjoy it and, and let's get to our final movie and like i said this isn't a list of best best or sure. things you have to see and it is miracle Ta-da! And, we got there y'all yeah and uh <laughs> there's a reason this is on the list because when when i'm a christmas fan 
I love Christmas movies and music <laughs> and stuff. But when I gave Alonzo the list, and I was like, well, let's leave off It's a Wonderful Life because everybody knows it. And uh, then he sent me a list of his movies. I saw this on there, and I'm like, I should have left that one off too because everybody knows it. <laughs> then I thought, then I thought about messaging him and say, let's take that one off because everybody knows it. And then I said, no, I'm supposed to be like one of the Christmas guys, and I forgot about it. Uh, well, and, and I'm not, and I'll tell you, you know, again, going back to that series of that I did with Bran on Deck the Hallmark, uh-huh. he had seen the 1994 remake, yeah, but he had never seen this version, right? Because again, I think I think the the black and white just scares people off, or just makes them think it's going to be like old fashioned and crusty or whatever. And it's like, no, no, these movies still work, you know? Yeah, yeah they do. I, I prefer this version over. Oh, the, uh, no question. Movie, you know, yeah. Uh, but like I said, you know, as, as a guy that does Christmas clatter, be five years this May that I've been doing Christmas clatter. I forgot. Oh, I forgot. I forgot this movie. You, <laughs> you know, that's so. That's like you know, if I forgot it, then we're leaving it on the list. You know, and uh, it could have just been a, a senior moment or. You know, or, or what have you. But when I was thinking of black, you and white take movie, it for granted that it exists. You know, yeah. you just it's there. It's always been there for you. It's yeah. dependable. But if if you guys have not seen this movie, this is just a delightful movie through and through, with with great performances and yeah. probably one of the few one of the few Christmas movies to win an Academy Award for acting. Yeah, Edmund Gwen as Chris Kringle. Yeah, and well deserved. And that's why I was getting ready to say, probably if not the best on screen Chris Kringle. You know, uh, undoubtedly a top five, no question. Definitely, definitely. I, I would be hard pressed to find four better than him. Oh no, he's yeah. my favorite too. But I'm yeah. just saying, even even people who who want to throw in somebody more contemporary, like you, you, you can't. You have to throw him in the top there because yeah. he's just amazing. Uh, the only other acceptable answer, I guess, would be Ed Asner, maybe. <laughs> just off the top yes, of uh, in multiple movies, yeah. actually, he he <laughs> Santaed a lot. I, I, yeah, I, I always say like, love the Santa, hate the movie. But uh, Paul Giamatti in uh, uh, Fred Claus, <laughs> uh, right, right, and uh, but this, you know, this has, um, I believe, I'm gonna get these all mixed up. Uh, this has the scene where he doesn't do sign language for the little girl. He puts Dutch. Dutch, yes. Well, Dutch, again, it's just, it's 1947. The war has just ended, and yeah. there are refugees, you know, living in this country and and elsewhere. And that oh god, that moment just lands so well. Like I I, I get I get reclimped every time I see this movie. So yeah, if you in the, in the 90s version, it's ASL, but here it's like, it's this Dutch girl. And uh, the, the woman comes up and says, Oh, you know, she, she, she doesn't speak English, but you know, she's a, she, she's a war refugee. We've taken her in and she just wanted to see Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. And then he like speaks to her in perfect colloquial Dutch and they sing a song together. And you see Natalie Wood, who's been very skeptical about this guy, see it all go down. It's like, huh? Okay. There's, He's, you know, he's, there's more here than I thought, maybe. Yeah. But yeah, that's, that's such a great scene and, and very timely. I mean, I think, you know, I don't know. Did you see the tis the season special on CNN that just aired? I don't No, I didn't see that. Well, I'm hoping they rerun it in December. I got the, could do some interviews on it, but they, there's a section where they talk about, I think Ben Mankiewicz talks about how like, you know, World War II is over. We had all just gone through this collectively horrible thing. Uh-huh. And so the, you have these, this, these spate of movies like, you know, it's a wonderful life and miracle 34 Street, and it happened on fifth Avenue where we're, we're trying to sort of reestablish our definition of, uh, uh, who we are as Americans and how we're going to, you know, treat other people and how we're going to exist in the world. And obviously through the, the prism of Christmas, there's all that more of an encouragement to sort of find our best selves. Um, and so, yeah, th- this is a movie I think that's very much of its time while also being timeless. Yeah, it, it is. And it kind of has, it kind of establishes a little bit too of that uh, uh, Hallmark collection. I don't want to say cliche because this role does so much more, but of that, you know, hardworking, you know, uh, uh, actress that just, you know, just works to the bone and just you know, needs to, to discover a little bit of Christmas magic, you know, which was kind of, uh, believe it or not, controversial at the time, you know, to 
to have a divorced oh, uh, single mom. A divorced woman, yes, yeah. I know. That was that was a thing. And, and also the fact that apparently Daryl Zanuck, who was the president of Fox at the time, didn't think that people went to movies enough at Christmas time and didn't think that Christmas was enough of a selling point. So they put this movie out in the summer. And if you go like go here on YouTube and watch the trailer, the original trailer is this like roving reporter going around the Fox lot and talking to like Ann Baxter and different sort of like Fox contract players. And they've all just seen this movie and like one person's, Oh, I such a wonderful love story. And somebody else like, Oh, hilarious comedy. And somebody else like, Oh, it's a moving drama. But like, Nobody says Christmas. Nobody says Santa Claus. Right. And that's what this movie is about, you know, but they they were trying to sort of stealth market it as anything else but what it is. Uh, but it was a hit anyway, thankfully, and uh, and it endures to this day. It, it sure does. And uh, to let everybody know, when you have the scene of the post office in the mailroom, there's a lot of that equipment in there that we still use today. <laughs> <laughs> Because I remember watching this like, uh, you know, a year or so after I started working with postal service and I was like, we still have all that stuff and use it on a daily basis, you know? So What's, what's 75 years, you know? Yeah. Well, we feel every minute of it, but, <laughs> but yeah, there's, there's a lot of equipment in there that uh, still gets used to, to, to this day. But uh, yeah, if you guys haven't seen this, this, is class, this has a, a really great, you know, couple of scenes in a courtroom and and uh, mm. you know some some drama and it actually kind of ends on kind of like a almost i wouldn't want to say a cliffhanger but uh almost ambiguity like a, yeah just kind of like a fill in the blank of what really happened yeah you get to decide for yourself the movie doesn't like give you the 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 solution which is great and and i think that you know it it works either way, you know yeah. like if if he thinks he's santa claus he's certainly behaving like Santa Claus and providing to people the things that Santa would bring them, you know? Right. Uh, so yeah, I, I like the fact that they don't sort of, you know, uh, dot every I and cross every T yeah. for you and let you sort of figure it out on your own. That's something else that's missing in modern movies. Trust me, <laughs> yeah. Smart, you know, <laughs> but yeah. Um, Man, Alonzo, I really appreciate you taking time and running through these these nine movies. My here. pleasure, sir. And and again, guys, the the list and where you can stream them will be in the show notes and description. And um, Alonzo, if you could let everybody know where uh, they can find you and follow you and listen to you, um, uh, please do. Sure. Uh, you can follow me at, if, as long as there's a Twitter, uh, you can follow me there at a Duralde, A D U R A L D E. Um, I am the film reviews editor at The Wrap, and you can read reviews of mine there. I just posted one for uh, Violent Night, which is a Christmas movie. Uh, maybe not like the kind we talked about tonight. Uh, and I liked it a lot. Um, yeah, I am the co host of the Linoleum Knife podcast with my husband, Dave White. We've been doing it for 12 years. You can also hear me on the podcast Breakfast All Day, Maximum Film. And Deck the Hallmark, where I, I pop in on the, pretty much on the regular. Uh, please pick up my books on Christmas movies, which are still available in all the places where you buy books. Uh, have yourself a movie, Little Christmas, and the one that I co-wrote with the Deck the Hallmark guys. Uh, I'll be home for Christmas movies. And again, the, the that TCM special, uh, sorry, TCM, the CNN special, Tis the Season. It's a two-hour special. Tom Hanks produced it uh, from the people that made the the, the CNN show, uh, the movies, and it's all about uh, holiday films. And I pop up every so often. All right. Well, I'll, I'll hunt down that uh, CNN special, and if it's streaming anywhere, I'll, I'll put a link to if, that. If yeah, if you have cable, your cable on demand should have it at the moment. Yeah, yeah, and I'll put that in there. Uh, the links to all his social media. Uh, will be in the in the show notes, so you'll you'll see a tap tap away. Oh, plus two links to the books will be there as well. Thank you, sir. Before I forget, on Instagram, if you want to see all of uh, our holiday decorations, uh, we have a an account called D X A X Tree T R E E, and uh, and that's got all of our ornaments and all of our like everything, all of our Christmas stuff. So if you this is your jam, you will enjoy yeah. that Instagram account. Yeah. And uh, guys, if you are a, a movie fan and especially a Christmas movie fan, if you do not have, have yourself a movie, little Christmas, you <laughs> rush to Amazon to get a copy because it is a must have it, you know, for movie fans, Christmas fans, because it's one of those, you, every time I flip it open and flip through the pages, there's a movie that for some reason escaped me the first 
hundred times. I look through it and I read it. And I'm like, well, yeah, thank you. I got to see that movie. And so linked to that and his other book, uh, I'll be home for Christmas movies, which he helped, which basically the Hallmark guys called Alonzo and said, Hey, we need you to do this for us because we can. <laughs> and he's, he's just too kind to say no. And, uh, well, I, it, I had a blast doing it, but I mean like the, the content is mostly them. It's, they're yeah. very funny. And the stuff they have to say about these movies is, yeah. is a real treat. But, uh, you know, go out and, and support Alonzo. He, he's got a kind heart. I know there's some, <laughs> some other books that he's helped with that came out recently that, uh, that won't, he won't get a lot of credit for, but uh, he was very <laughs> instrumental in helping. And, uh, and him and, and Dave and Linoleum uh, Knife Podcast are like secret OG podcasters. Twelve years in the podcast world is is amazing, and it they still are today. My go to like movie podcast. And, oh, thank uh, you, sir. Yeah, and uh, Retro Nerd Girl here in the chat's big fan of Breakfast All Day. And, oh, yay! Uh, thanks. And uh, and uh, you know, just to kind of like I've said before, I, there's some movies they'll review that I'll never see because I just don't have the time or the interest. But at least if they come up in conversation. I got, <laughs> you know, so, and uh, I'll take it <laughs> and I'll say this too. And, and uh, I hope he doesn't ever get offended, but Dave is like the perfect amount of grumpy, you know, that makes yeah. me laugh. Yeah. I've always thought so. <laughs> you know, and, uh, but thank you so much. And for those just listening to the podcast, if you have the chance to make it on Wednesday night, eight central t- 8 PM central time, please do. And hop in the chat with us because yeah. uh, as, as we, as we close the podcast, we're going to stay just for a, a little bit and have a little Q and a with those in the chat. And I'm going to, I'm going to uh, ask Alonzo a question. Like what was his favorite movie? Just movie in general from, from this year of 2022. And I'm also going to ask him if he's still collecting fruit ornaments. So, uh, so if you want the answers to those, head to YouTube and join us. But uh, in the meantime, keep Christmas hope alive every day. <laughs>